Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This activity is provided by PACE CME, the Physician's Academy for Cardiovascular Education. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements as well as the learning objectives. Clinical Dilemmas in Heart Failure, Weighing the Balance of Rosy and Hyperkalemia. In the first episode of this educational series, Professor Andrew Coates talks about managing hyperkalemia while optimizing Rosy therapy in patients with heart failure. Welcome, colleagues, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Andrew Coates. I'm president of the Heart Failure Association at ESC, University of Warwick, UK. And it's uh, my great pleasure to um, do the first talk in this symposium. So I'll be talking as an introduction about guidelines, RAS inhibitors, hyperkalemia, and the clinical dilemmas in the management of heart failure this issue causes us. So let's just review the clinical guidelines. And of course, we now have the foundational four classes, but two of these major drug classes are inhibitors of the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system. And they're fundamental to the way we manage heart failure. But part and parcel of how these drugs work is the propensity of increasing serum potassium. If we look at the major outcome trials that led to the recommendation to use ACE inhibitors, ARNIs, um, mineralocorticoid antagonists, they're associated with increased potassium. It's part of how these drugs work. If we look at the RAIL study of spironolactone, it's substantial reduction in total mortality, as we see here on the Kaplan-Meier curve. But you look at the right, the incidence of hyperkalemia, whether it's mild, above 5, more significant, above 5.5, above 6, was higher on the spironolactone group. That didn't prevent the, the major clinical benefits, the reduction in mortality. But obviously, it can be a concern if some patients go to levels that normally we're a little bit uncomfortable with, such as those higher levels of serum potassium. We saw the same in the emphasis HF trial of a plerinone, where also a reduction in CV mortality and heart failure hospitalization, but an increase in hyperkalemia. Now, in the clinical trial, that didn't seem to matter. But when it was brought into routine practice, particularly some registry data from Canada showed the doctors were very concerned about that and there was a sudden dramatic reduction in the use of MRAs because of this increase in hyperkalemia events. Therefore, we have a therapeutic dilemma in managing hyperkalemia while attempting to op optimize RASI therapy. RASI therapy will improve outcomes, but it'll lead to an increased risk of hyperkalemia. In managing hyperkalemia, our first natural response is to remove the drug that might have contributed. We don't know quite what that trade-off is. When we reduce the dose, or even more seriously, stop that RASI dose, are we losing most of the benefit or all of the benefit in the case of reducing the dose entirely to zero? When we look, this is not an uncommon problem. In real-world practice, discontinuation of RASI therapy persists for a long time following a single hyperkalemia event. 76% of patients who had their MRA reduced, stopped, were not reintroduced during the subsequent year. If you look at the duration in which the RASI discontinuation persisted, in patients with chronic kidney disease, it was nearly two and a half years. In patients with heart failure, it was nearly two years. If we look at the life expectancy of a patient with significant heart failure, two years is a substantial part 
of their predicted future survival. Therefore, this loss of protection is really a very serious risk for these patients. So what do the guidelines tell us? Well, until very recently, they really weren't that helpful. What they said is guideline-recommended management of RASI based on serum potassium levels. They're saying with modest elevations above 5.0, don't start MRAs or ACRB. Use with caution. Above 5.5, they're saying reduce the dose. Above 6, they're discontinuing. It's a natural clinical thing when looking after our patient. You start a drug, you say this can improve you. The patient comes back and you say, ooh, the potassium's gone up. The natural response is to say, well, we'd perhaps better stop it. We might go to a drug discontinuation or a drug dose reduction, but there's a strong clinical incentive, a driver, to simply bail out and, and not give the drug to stop it. And that may be the very worst thing we can do. If we look at what happens in routine practice, down titration or complete discontinuation of RASI therapy is very common following a hyperkalemia event. We see 38% of patients have significant down titration. If you look there, the more severe levels, the majority of patients are down titrating or discontinuing. A very small percentage maintain maximal optimal dose of the RASI. And that may mean that very few of our patients are getting optimal protection for their underlying disease. If we look at the consequence of down titration or discontinuation of RASI in therapy, due to hyperkalemia in both CKD, chronic kidney disease, heart failure, um, we, and diabetes, we see an increase in subsequent mortality from either discontinuing or stopping entirely. That's more than a doubling of background mortality. It's particularly strong in heart failure where background mortality is high. We're going from 13% to 30% mortality by simply stopping the drug because of our concern about hyperkalemia. It's a very interesting analysis we did of the European Heart Failure Registry, looking at patients who had an episode of hyperkalemia, and then looking at what happened. And if you look at the bottom three lines, you see the increase hazard ratio of increased mortality when the ACE inhibitor was discontinued, or the ARB, or the MRA, showing a 7 to 13-fold increase in mortality. But if you look at what the impact of the high potassium itself was, when you account for what happened to the drug dose, there is no residual hazard of having a high potassium level. It's because of our reaction that these patients do worse. It's because the high potassium leads us to stop treatment that we're getting that excess mortality. So what we'd like to know in future is if we can manage the elevated potassium in a way other than stopping the drug, would we get much better outcomes? And of course, with the availability of novel potassium binders, we have a way of doing that. If we look now at optimizing RASI therapy in patients with chronic kidney disease and heart failure, um, and we look at major outcomes, mortality, and major adverse cardiovascular events, in a registry sense, those patients who can maintain the RASI dose despite the hyperkalemia, they do far better for outcomes. So we believe the chance is if we can manage the potassium alternatively to withdrawing treatment, we will get better long-term outcomes. So the guideline recommended management of RASI in the setting of hyperkalemia may be wrong, may be inappropriate, may be avoiding the real chance we have of maintaining the potassium balance by the extra administration 
of what we'd call facilitatory therapy, of managing potassium itself as an enabler of getting the full protection from maximum recommended dose of RASI drugs. So we want to balance RASI therapy with potassium levels. We want to manage the potential risk of RASI therapy increasing potassium versus its absolutely substantial benefit. And we want to tip things in the favor of the patient by managing potassium independently of cessation. So this symposium will go through how we can avoid the problems of reducing RASI therapy dose, treating the hyperkalemia to optimize and maintain the RASI therapy versus the simple bailout procedure of saying, let's stop the treatment, which may be very much the worst thing we can do. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. Also, listen to the next episode of this series, in which Dr. Clara Bonanad explains that hyperkalemia is common in heart failure and a frequent cause of underuse of RASI therapy in heart failure. Please visit our website, www.pace-cme.org, for news, literature summaries, and expert views. Clinical Dilemmas in Heart Failure, Weighing the Balance of RASI and Hyperkalemia. In the second episode of this educational series, Dr. Clara Bonanad explains that hyperkalemia is common in heart failure and a frequent cause of underuse of RASI therapy in heart failure. Hello, everyone. It is a pleasure for me being here. Thank you for the invitation. My name is Clara Bonanad. I'm a cardiologist from Valencia, Spain, and a professor of the University of Valencia. I'm going to speak about hyperkalemia in heart failure. Why should we care? As we know, there are many subgroups of patients with a higher incidence of hyperkalemia. For example, patients with advanced stage of CKD, also patients with diabetes mellitus, also patients with resistant hypertension and in advanced age. Moreover, it is to note that in patients with chronic heart failure, the frequency of hyperkalemia could be up to 30 to 50% of our patients. Above all, in advanced stage of the disease or in patients with a background therapy of ACE inhibitors. Furthermore, there is a therapeutic dilemma in, manage, in management hyperkalemia while we try to optimize RASI therapy. Guidelines tell us that we have to use, we should use these four funda- foundational therapies to reduce mortality for all patients. And guidelines recommend us to use RASI because RASI improves outcomes. RASI reduces cardiovascular morbidity and mortality and also slows CKD progression. But RASI could produce hyperkalemia and that leads to RASI dose reduction or discontinuation that worsens our patient's prognosis. 
In this slide, we can see in an observational registry that heart failure and RASI therapy were observed as a major risk factors for developing hyperkalemia along with other comorbidities as chronic kidney disease. And there is unmet need in our cardiology population, above all patients with heart failure with reduced ejection fraction. Because persistent hyperkalemia in our patients with acute heart failure in this study was associated with higher risk of cardiovascular death, heart failure-related death, and sudden cardiac death compared to those who achieve or maintain normal kalemia. Moreover, patients with heart failure who has had an episode of hyperkalemia at, are at higher risk of developing recurrent episodes. In a 40% of our patients could have a recurrent episode with successively shorter time between episodes, episodes that could impact the prognosis of our patient. And this impact on our treatment and adherence to guidelines. Because guidelines, European guidelines and American guidelines tell us that we should use uh, ACE inhibitors to the doses uh, tested in clinical trials or to the maximally tolerated dose of the patient. But renal impairment and hyperkalemia are the major causes not using RASI and MRA. So in this unmet necessity, we can, we can think about potassium binders. Moreover, in the recent published American guidelines, for the first time, recommend these guidelines, the use of potassium binder, patiromer, and sodium zirconium cyclosilicate for the management of hyperkalemia with a recommendation of class 2B to enable us to use RASI therapy because there are more benefits than risks. And also for the first time, these guidelines do not recommend or mention the use of diuretic or low potassium diet with low intake of fruits and vegetables to manage hyperkalemia. And it has been demonstrated in several studies that hyperkalemia is a frequent cause of underuse of RASI therapy and MRI in heart failure with reduced ejection fraction patients. And moreover, in our real-world practice, the discontinuation of RASI therapy persists following an hyperkalemia event. In almost 76% of patients were not reintroduced to MRA therapy during the subsequent year, and the mean duration of the RASI discontinuation in heart failure could be until two years. In this international registry with more than 6,000 patients with hyperkalemia, we can see that it's very important to adhere to guidelines because to reach 
at least 50% of the objective those recommend in guidelines, it is associated with better prognosis. And not to reach at least 50% of the recommended dose, it's associated with heart failure death. And moreover, titration or discontinuation of RASI therapy in this study was associated with doubling, with doubling of mortality across patient subtypes, subtypes among with, with the patients with heart failure. So what are the reasons that justify the need to optimize treatments in heart failure despite the risk of hyperkalemia? The reasons to optimize is because RASI or ARNI, beta blockers, MRA, STLT2 inhibitors, the effect of these four medications reduce the mortality by 73% in two years compared with only beta blocker and RASI and prolongs survival for six years. Moreover, the degree of benefit of each class of these four foundational drugs is independent of each other. So its initiation with low doses and progressive increase are effective in reducing morbidity and mortality in our heart failure patients with reduced ejection fraction. However, we have to deal, we should deal with the risk of hyperkalemia in certain situations I mentioned before. And in recent years, several expert consensus of heart failure and hyperkalemia in patients with cardiovascular disease treated with Russian MRA tell us that patiromer and sodium zirconium cyclosilicate can be considered in our heart failure patients with or without CKD to control hyperkalemia in selected patients and to allow us to initiate or aptitrate MRA and other RASI. And also they highlight that if we have a patient with a potassium above 5 millimoles per litre, per litre and that patient is not on an optimal dose of RASID therapy, we should think in the new potassium binders. To conclude, hyperkalemia is common in heart failure and in other subgroup of patients, as well as patients with CKD, RASID therapy, patients with diabetes mellitus, resistant hypertension and older age. Hyperkalemia is clearly associated with a worse prognosis and limits the use of specific drugs for heart failure with reduced ejection fraction, new pharmacological strategies could help us to optimize treatments in heart failure. And maybe the most important thing is to be aware to the awareness and the early detection of hyperkalemia or risk of developing it that could improve not only the prognosis of our heart failure patient, but also the treatment of our patients. Thank you very much for your attention. Thank you for listening. Also, listen to the last episode of this series in which Dr. Aaron Wong shares his experience of using potassium binders to enable optimization of RASI therapy in patients with heart failure with reduced ejection fraction. Please visit our website, www.pace-cme.org for news, literature summaries, and expert views.
Clinical Dilemmas in Heart Failure Weighing the Balance of Rosy and Hyperkalemia In the third and last episode of this educational series, Dr. Aaron Wong shares his experience of using potassium binders to enable optimization of Rosy therapy in patients with heart failure with reduced ejection fraction. Hello, everyone. My name is Aaron Wong. I'm one of the consultant cardiologists working in South Wales, United Kingdom. It is my honor to be here today to share with you about our experience of using potassium binders to enable optimization of resitherapy. We've now learned that hyperkalemia is highly prevalent in patients with heart failure, kidney failure, diabetes, and those who require resitherapy. It is a U-shaped relationship uh, curve between the potassium levels and mortality. And recurrent episodes of hyperkalemia often leads to discontinuation or down-titration of prognostically important rasitherapy, particularly in heart failure, kidney failure, with shorter duration between these recurrent episodes of hyperkalemia. Hyperkalemia on its own is associated with an increased risk in mortality, which has been observed in patients with heart failure, kidney failure, and diabetes. We all know that rasitherapy is the cornerstone treatment for patients with cardiovascular disease. Studies have shown that submaximal dosing of rasitherapy or discontinuation of rasitherapy are associated with poor outcome in patients with kidney failure, heart failure, and diabetes. Hyperkalemia can alter our prescribing habit of rasitherapy. Following an episode of mild hyperkalemia, 38% of the patient would have a reduction or discontinuation of rasitherapy. Following a moderate to severe episode of hyperkalemia, almost half of this patient would have a downtitration or discontinuation of this important uh, rasitherapy. In recent years, we have many guidelines giving the recommendation of how we can manage rasitherapy in the context of hyperkalemia. ESC expert consensus was published back in 2018 recommending using a potassium-lowering agent to allow continuation of rasitherapy. So we have now have two novel, effective novel potassium binders we can use to allow continuation of rasitherapy. One is called patiromer, and the other one is called sodium zirconium cyclosilicate. Patiromer, according to the Amethyst Diabetic Nephropathy Study, is very effective of normalizing potassium levels in the acute setting and also throughout the maintenance phase of the study. Following discontinuation of patiromer, we see a rebound hyperkalemia. Sodium zirconium cyclosilicate in the harmonized trial have demonstrated its effectiveness to normalize potassium levels in the acute setting and also throughout the whole maintenance phase of the study. And again, we've seen a rebound hyperkalemia following a discontinuation of the potassium binding agent. So in the long-term sodium zirconium psychosilicate clinical study, we've seen that the majority of the patients were able to remain on rasitherapy. According to the crystallized 
uh, program, nine out of ten patients were able to continue on razitherapy with the use of sodium zirconium cyclosilicate. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm now going to share with you about our own experience of using sodium zirconium cyclosilicate to enable optimization of razitherapy in patients with heart failure with reduced ejection fraction. In the last two years, we started using this agent to optimize heart failure treatment in patients with ongoing heart failure symptoms with extremely high anti-proBNP levels and low ejection fraction. We captured our data from February 2020 until March 2022. We captured baseline echographic data and also blood tests, particularly serum potassium levels, anti-proBNP, kidney function, and we also capture background heart failure therapy prior to the initiation of sodium zirconium cyclosilicate. We then look back, looking at the hospitalization rate and also the mortality rate of this cohort of patients. So 29 patients were initiated on sodium zirconium cyclosilicates throughout the study period, with the mean age of 76 and one-third being a female. So the baseline ejection fraction is 29%, and all of our patients are symptomatic. And one-third of our patients already had a hospitalization for heart failure and also uh, with cardiovascular hospitalization in the preceding 12 months. You can see here, this group of patients has severe heart failure as reflected by the very high anti-proBNP level of over 5,000 and the serum potassium levels were 5.7 prior to initiation um, of the potassium binders. The creatinine clearance was 44 mL per minute. Just under one-third of these patients were on quadruple therapy for heart failure with reduced ejection fraction, and just over half were on uh, mineral corticoid receptor antagonists. So the, with the use of uh, the potassium agent, a binding agent, we can see there's a marked improvement in RASI therapy. Our prescription of ARNI increased from 90% to 100%, and the MRA prescription has also increased from 52% to 90%, and more patients were able to be on the guideline recommended dose. In terms of quadruple therapy, we've significantly increased the number of patients who were able to be on quadruple therapy. It increases from 28% to 59%. Sodium zirconium cyclosilicate were licensed to use as a maintenance therapy up to 10 grams. So half of our patients needed 10 grams to maintain normal potassium levels to allow optimization of RASI therapy. The mean potassium level was 5.7 prior to the initiation of this potassium binding agent. You can see here, sodium zirconium cyclosilicate were very effective of maintaining normal potassium levels throughout the study period. We also look at episodes of hyperkalemia prior to the initiation of these potassium binding agents. We've observed each of our patients would have an average of nine episodes of mild hyperkalemia and just over two episodes of moderate hyperkalemia prior to starting on potassium binders. The highest potassium levels was 6.1 prior to the initiation of this potassium binder. With the use of the potassium binder, 
we observe a numeric improvement in ejection fraction from 29% to 36%, and there was significant reduction in anti-proBNP levels. Over two-thirds of our patients had a reduction of anti-proBNP level, and two-thirds of them had a significant reduction of over 800 nanograms per liter. We did not see any significant change in renal function and also in blood pressure. In terms of hospitalization and mortality, 17 of our patients needed to be admitted due to worsening renal function or hyperkalemia that require a temporary adjustment of the diuretic dose, rasitherapy, and adjustment of the dose of the potassium binder. In terms of heart failure hospitalization, we observe a 14% heart failure hospitalization, which is relatively low, considered the severity of heart failure in this cohort of patients. The survival rate was 90%. Sodium zirconium cyclosilicate in this setting was very well tolerated, and almost all of our patients can continue um, on this treatment. So the conclusion for our study We've demonstrated that potassium binder sodium zirconium cyclosilicate was very well tolerated and effective of maintaining normal kalemia while allowing us to optimize rasitherapy. And we also observe improvement in ejection fraction and anti-pro-BMP levels. So in summary, hyperkalemia is highly prevalent in patients with heart failure, kidney failure, and diabetes. And recurrent episodes of hyperkalemia often leads to discontinuation or down-titration of this prognostically important RASI therapy. We have now have novel potassium binders to enable us to initiate and also to optimize RASI therapy. Our real-world data has shown that sodium zirconium cyclosilicate was well-tolerated and also effective of maintaining normal potassium levels allowing optimization of rasitherapy in patients with heart failure with reduced ejection fraction. A further randomized control trials is urgently needed to fully assess the clinical impact of such intervention in the broader group of patients. I would like to thank my team for not just capturing the data, but also helping to improve heart failure care in Wales in United Kingdom. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for listening to this series. If you missed an episode, you can still listen to the previous episodes of this series. Please visit our website, www.pace-cme.org, for news, literature summaries, and expert views. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is provided by Pace CME, the Physician's Academy for Cardiovascular Education. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash CME. Thank you for listening.